We're going to spend a few minutes uh, in, the, in the wisdom literature this morning in the book of Psalms. And uh, I know most of you don't wonder, but some people wonder whether these books of Psalms are meant to be taken together. And uh, one of the best arguments that they are, one of, one of the arguments that they are is that the Psalms open with the words, blessed is the man, blessed is the person, right? And continues on to talk about what kind of person is blessed. And the Psalm 150 ends with, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it begins with words of instruction of how we are blessing, how we are to be blessed, and ends with calling us to praise the Lord. And that's what we're doing together this morning. And so I just want to uh, come to God in a word of prayer before we open up his word and, uh, and give him praise and thanks. Father God, we, there are so many concerns and cares in our world in our own hearts, and everywhere in between. But on this morning, this Thanksgiving Day, we want especially to focus on you and to say thank you. God, as your word says, you are the Father of heavenly lights from whom every good gift comes. Lord, we can praise you and thank you because everything in our lives that is good is your gift to us, your provision for us, another way in which you care for us. And so, God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather, to praise your name, to shake hands and hug and encourage one another in worship. We thank you, Lord, for providing answers to prayer, for giving more time uh, as we are wondering and waiting in the midst of life's uncertainties, for bringing health and healing in sickness and in uh, and even in death of some kinds. God, we, pr- we thank you for your presence with us as we grieve the loss of loved ones. We thank you that your people continue to encourage us and that, that as, as your people, we can encourage and sustain one another because your spirit is at work within us and in our midst. And we thank you, Lord, most of all, that you are with us, that you still speak to us through your word and encourage us through your Holy Spirit's presence in and among us. And so we pray this morning, too, that the words of, that come from uh, me and the words of my heart and the meditations uh, that I share this morning, Lord, may they be pleasing to you most of all and encouraging to those of us gathered here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said, we're going to spend a few minutes in wisdom literature this morning. But on this Thanksgiving morning, I want to celebrate that those of you who are gathered here, that we can thank, come together and thank God, not only for his faithfulness to you as an individual and to you as, as individuals, each of you in a different situation have different uh, specific things to th- say thank you to God for, but also there is the, thank, the thankfulness that we share together as a church. Just a few weeks ago, River Park celebrated our 70th anniversary, and no doubt, All of you have observed how we have changed over the years as a church. We started in 1952 as a Dutch language congregation, a first Christian Reformed church in Calgary. And then we switched to English. Then River Park over the years, our first Christian Reformed church over the years, has given life to many daughter congregations. And now God is bringing all nations together into one congregation. Those of you gathered here are an important part of that story. 
Many of you have been a part of the story of River Park Church for 30 or 40 or even 50 years, some of you. Thanks be to God. No doubt, however, you also notice that from time to time, especially in these special services, that many people in our congregation aren't here. And were, were I to ask them and were I to ask you, those of you gathered here, should we give thanks to God on Thanksgiving on this day? All of us would give a resounding yes. But when I ask each of you, how personally should we give thanks? Should you give thanks to God? No doubt we have many different answers. Some of us are eager to come together to worship God here in this church building with our friends who we've known for years, even for decades. We want to gather together with other believers and sing our thanks to God. We want to hear a sermon and have our hearts encouraged. Others of us want to enjoy food and fellowship with family and friends. We want to prioritize conversations and relationships with others, including those who are outside of the family of God. Still others of us are burdened down by life's tasks and extra cares. We would stay home and rest quietly. We are privately thankful to God for an extra day of peace and of quiet rest. But we find it hard to give thanks for much more than that. What's the right way to give thanks to God on Thanksgiving Day? No doubt we all have our opinions, or, or to put it better, we have our stories and our experiences of how we do it. But what does the Bible say? Well, simply put, the Bible doesn't have one command for how to give thanks to God. The Bible certainly doesn't command us to, uh, to sh- or doesn't command others to share our way of think- thanking God or our way of worshiping God. The Bible simply commands us to give thanks. And in fact, it commands a lot more than that. It commands us to give our whole selves to God, not just to give thanks on one day a week or or a couple days a week, not just to give thanks at special times a year, but to give our whole selves. As, As the psalm said, Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And there's no time limit on that or time constraints. Psalm 37 says it this way, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Different people, of course, find different ways to delight ourselves in God. As I was talking a few weeks back to a group of people who at River Park who are training to be uh, welcoming and enfolding to diverse people, I reminded them that this is how cultures are formed. Cultures are not rules that a person has to follow in order to fit. Cultures are formed when people with similar values, similar views or perspectives gather together and find common shared ways of being. So that's what we're doing together this morning. As we gather here in person, we may see many similarities among ourselves. You might even say that we're a subculture or part of a subculture within the larger church. And I bring this up for two reasons this morning. The first is so that you might see yourselves a little bit clearly. And the second is that you might remember, the more important one, that you might remember that God always reveals himself to people 
in a culture or in a, in a community. God always meets us and meets his people where we are with the values that we have, with the ways of life that we are comfortable with, with the patterns of our lives. God always meets us where we are at. He always reveals himself in different ways to vastly different people. And to each of us and all of us, there are some things he encourages and strengthens those aspects of our lives that are pleasing and good to him, or that are good and that please him. And to each of us and all of us too, God also challenges, doesn't he, the other parts of our lives that are, that are sinful, that are broken, that do not please him. John Calvin writes that God lisps to us. He says God lisps to us the way that a mother lisps to her baby. Say, oh, I love you so much. Oh, yeah, that is a lot of food, isn't it? Think of what we're going to do together today. God speaks, speaks to us the way a loving parent speaks to a child. Our only mistake is in thinking that when our parents whisper words of love to us, that we understand the whole of who our parent is. It's great cause for thanksgiving that although we don't fully understand God or value him enough, that God fully understands you and values you as an individual and, as, and values you as are we as a group gathering together for worship on these special occasions. You are an important part of God's vision for River Park Church going forward. And so as you wonder about your part and your place in God's work at River Park, I want to share a few reflections with you from one of you, from Anna Kroncha, one of our oldest members, on the reasons she has to be thankful. You might hear some echoes of your own experiences in Anna's words, your own view of the Lord. Or you might hear something totally different. I asked Anna the same questions that I've asked different members of River Park throughout our sermon series. I asked her about the characteristics of God that she experienced in her life. And so I'm going to share with you a few of her answers. She said to me, well, this is, this is 90 years. There's a lot of living I did. I was born in the middle of nowhere in Friesland. I was born in 32 and the war was coming in 40. And so I was about eight and we ended up with a lot of people hiding from the Nazis. So in the last year of the war, there was 21 people at our dining table. What a Thanksgiving meal that was. There too, the Lord protected us, she said. Then later on, we went to this little school and there was no chance of going on to higher learning because there was no way to get there. The bikes had all been taken. I assume it related to uh, the war. Then we could bike on practically the rims of those things. So it was about an hour's riding for me to get anywhere. So instead, she said, I milked the cows. Later on, I married my husband who was living across the, across the road and we decided to immigrate to Canada. We lived in Ontario for 46 years and then by that time he had his aneurysm and so he needed help. But again, we lived through it. Anna shared with me the difficulty of moving to Calgary just after retirement. I had helped start a thrift store in Sarnia in Ontario, so when I came here, I right away joined the thrift store here. And that gives you a family, and the church, of course, too. 
And then as Anna looked back over the years and we talked more together, she said this, the Lord has, the Lord has steered me, always supported me. And sometimes you don't see it while it's happening. But then in retrospect, that was the Lord's doing. Small things, big things, but the Lord was always there. It's not like you actively talk about it all the time, but it's there. It's, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this. She said, it's a, it's a rotzvet op. It's like a rock. So she also looked at me, she said, you don't know what that word means, right? And I don't. But I know some of you do. Anna ended her story saying this, I'm just a milkmaid without any education, but I read a lot. Anna thinks she is just an ordinary person, but following Jesus and life in God's diverse kingdom and his diverse family is for ordinary people. Following Jesus and life in God's diverse family is for ordinary people. It's no surprise to many of you, I know, that God is a rock, that the Bible talks about God as a rock, and especially wisdom literature. The Psalms and Proverbs talk 25, Psalms alone mention God as a rock 25 different times. Psalm 40 says it this way. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Just think about that psalm in the context of a lifetime, right? It's one thing to write those words just three sentences in a row. But those, for many of us, Those three sentences, those three verses are the story of our lives. I waited patiently for the Lord. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the muck and mire. He set my feet on a rock and put a new song in my mouth. And then looking forward, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I reminded Anna when we got together, as I want to remind all of you this morning, that whoever we are and as ordinary as we are, We can be thankful that God always gives himself to ordinary people. Jesus didn't come to the superstars of society. He came to fishermen, just ordinary people, to a tax collector, to a right-wing political nut, a zealot. God came to ordinary people and called them to be his disciples. Let me say that again. God came to ordinary people and called us to be his disciples. He did it through Jesus when he called the 12, and he did it again at River Park Church and has continued to do it over the years. God has brought scores and scores of ordinary people and called them to be his disciples, to follow him in amazing and different ways. We have so many, so many things to be thankful for, not least of which is a window into the lives and the views and the values of people who are very different from us. Remember that we do not live as Jesus' first disciples lived. Our culture, our values, our habits, our ways of being have changed. 
The disciples would have been horrified that God's people were gathering on a Sunday, at least until Jesus was raised from the dead. Yet we don't worry that we are different from Peter or from Levi. Why? Why not? Because we have the same Lord. We've given ourselves to God just as Jesus' disciples gave themselves to God. And likewise, others may not follow the same or may not have the same uh, habits that we do. They may not follow the same ways of Jesus that you do. But we do not need to worry. With the psalmist, we can sing a new song of praise to our God because many are seeing and fearing and putting their trust in God. They're finding new ways to honor and serve the Lord and love Him in a world that continues to change. And so as we close this morning, I want to share Anna's answer to that last question. Tell me the story of the good news in a few sentences. This is what Anna said, which I just... I love asking that question because every answer I think is beautiful and Anna's is as well. She said, enrich your life and give yourself to God. It's a good place to be. Friends, this is where we started. Delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Enrich your life and give yourself to God. It's a good place to be. Isn't it good that We are not asking anyone to give themselves fully to us. Thankfully, I'm not asking anyone to give themselves fully to me. And isn't it wonderful that your parents and grandparents did not force you to give yourselves fully to them? To give ourselves fully to anyone less than God leads all of us sooner or later to a place of pain and of sorrow. But... When we give ourselves to God, our lives are enriched, and other people's lives are too. And it is the best place to be, stood on the rock of God's provision, fully depending on Him. As we come to God in prayer and close our time together, I want to give you one more picture of how we can be thankful to God this morning. It's one of Anna's favorite verses, and coincidentally also one of mine. Isaiah 40, God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men, young people stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's thank God for his strength, for his power. For his provision. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a rock, that you are our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. We thank you that you provide for your people, that you love us, that we can delight in you, because when we give ourselves to you, that our lives are enriched in every way. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together this morning for worship. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of a diverse community of believers. Thank you for the many ways in which you provide for each person here. And Lord, we look to you in the future. With with the psalmist again, we long to say that many, even more, 
will see and fear and put their trust in God. God, may, they see, may others see your provision in our lives. As we continue to wait for answers to prayer, to, for emails that are coming, for test results that we await, for any number of other things, Lord, we look to your good provision and we ask that we would be able to thank and praise you for your provision in the future as well. We look to you, Lord. All our life, all our hope is in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.